Okay. Hello, this is the Surviving Healthcare Podcast, and I have Scott Schroeder and Jeff Martin, both uh, senior orthopedists, on my show today. And Scott is an international expert on the metal reactions in the body uh, due to these implants. And he's had a remarkable career of removing uh, problematic implants and seeing people uh, rise from their disabilities and problems and improve so much. And so, Scott, please introduce yourself uh, we're all retired just less than a year or two and, uh, introduce yourself, tell about your background and then launch into how you came to where you are. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. I, uh, been, I was practicing for a little over 30 years and over those, uh, those years I put in thousands of implants, uh, metallic implants into my patient's bodies and, and really over the first, uh, boy, Many years, decade or so, I, you know, in our medical training, we didn't, in surgery training, we didn't talk about allergies a whole lot or reactions to the metals. And uh, so, you know, if, if they bothered people, okay, we get it out. And in the foot, in foot and ankle region, you know, there's not a whole lot of subcutaneous tissue overlying it. So, yeah, many times I'd plan on, you know, getting things out. Um, and uh, then just kind of paid attention over the years. And uh, then about 15 years ago or so, I, I started you know, being more cognizant of some of these problems that I was seeing. And uh, so then started looking closer, closer, and then started getting a, a number of patients where we had you know, quite dramatic uh, responses after removal uh, you know, of metals. And uh, so, one, uh, one that I had kind of mentioned to uh, both of you earlier was the, the patient that ended up being uh, paralyzed uh, after, I had, uh, after I had placed uh, four or eight small uh, stainless steel screws in his foot, uh, and actually four in each foot. And I didn't know he had neuropathy that came on and he had neuropathy from the knee down. And uh, then his toes were starting to curl uh, from this. And, uh, then he had sores on the tips of his toes, which led to infection. And okay. He, I, I go, do you know, we ultimately, I said, we got to straighten these toes. And he had some preoperative lesions, sub second and third metatarsals. I was going to have to shorten those bones. And, you know, do you know why you have neuropathy first? He goes, no, well, you know, you need to get that checked out. So he went to somebody in our local and he was an engineer in his forties. And, uh, then he went to university of Washington. Okay. Idiopathic polyneuropathy flew himself to Mayo clinic, you know, idiopathic polyneuropathy. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and proceed. So we went ahead. Idi idiopathic by. means we don't know what the answer is. The doctors don't know. The doctor is an idiot. That's not, it's not derived from that, but that's the <laughs> easy way to remember it. Okay. And Jeff, I forgot to introduce Jeff. Uh, Jeff, oh, yeah. of course, my listeners know him. He is uh, another senior orthopedist who had a fantastic career in shoulders, knees, and hip replacements. He's another implantologist, just like Scott is uh, foot and ankle uh, implant and uh, correctional uh, surgeon. So sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yep, no problem. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bob. I, you know, I'm happy to be on again and uh, probably maybe good for offering a little perspective on some of this uh, metal implantation that we're discussing today. Um, I, I did it too for about 35 years and uh, put a lot of hips and knees and shoulders in, uh, some elbows as well. But that was a of my practice retired now very cool so go on scott sorry to yeah. interrupt yeah. You there. and i would have to say i mean vast majority of these implants hey we do great with them they're life-changing especially the hips and knees that uh, jeff had put in and uh, really get people their their lives back but there are a few there's a percentage of these that we can have some issues with and that's really what i'm talking about and and i uh, kind of had a, an awareness of when I started looking at this. So uh, this particular patient, then I ended up, uh, okay, we straightened his toes out. I put K wires, pins in his toes, stainless steel, shortened the bones, and he did great. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, pulled the pins at six weeks. See you later. Didn't see him back for about four and a half years or so. And he came back and then his big toe is starting to curl. And uh, then he was getting a pre-ulcerative lesion at the tip of the toe. We got to straighten that out. Okay. But you know, what's the swelling over where I had these screws? And uh, I go, I started talking about some of the issues I see with some of these metals and uh, he and his wife looked at each other, but they didn't say anything to me. And uh, so I go, okay, well, we need to, uh, you know, I, I'll, we'll use titanium on your big toe. 
And I think you may have a, a problem potentially with nickel with these stainless steel screws. Let's get those out. You know, bones healed. We don't need them anymore. So that's what we did. So we came back first post-op visit. I usually see him about five days, make sure there's no signs of infection, look good. Saw him back at 12 days and he goes, okay, doc. He goes, being the anal engineer that I am, and he worked with metals all the time. And he goes, I started looking back at when I had uh, all these, these problems. And I didn't know of his problems at that time. And he goes, I had my, uh, I had an ACL, I, well, I had amalgam fillings, okay, uh, when I was a kid. And then these- Those uh, are the mercury, mercury fillings that are so yeah, toxic. Correct, about 50% mercury. <clears throat> and then these gold, two gold crowns. And, uh, you know, placed years ago. And then I went ahead and uh, he goes, eight years ago, I had an ACL repair with a titanium screw in my knee. And then he goes, six years ago is when I started developing this neuropathy from the, you know, the foot and then the knee down. He goes, now it's to the point that it's my entire body, including my hands. I can poke myself with a pin in the belly. I can't feel it. I can bite my tongue. I can't feel it. And uh, he goes, then and he goes, I didn't put it together then, but you know, four and a half or so years ago, you did surgery on my feet. And three months later is when I had my first episode of, I it was paralyzed. I could, I could breathe, but I couldn't talk and I could not move for 45 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. And he goes, I was scared spitless. And uh, you know, uh, he, because he was laying in bed and his wife was already gone. And uh, he, he sat and looked at the clock. He could, he could see the clock, but he just had to move it. I guess he could move his eyes. And, uh, but that's about it. And uh, then he, you know, he knew it was 45 minutes because then his body just relaxed and then he could go again. Well, it progressed to an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day. And he was working, uh -huh. he was working as an engineer and he was in there with his boss one time and he just seized up at his computer. And his boss says, uh, you can die here. You need to be you know, disabled. And uh, so anyway, throughout, went back to Mayo Clinic, all this. They uh, diagnosed him with uh, uh, basically uh, idiopathic. Uh, well, in this case, I guess it was episodic uh, spastic quadriplegia. Once again, just a descriptive phrase without any knowledge exactly. about what did it. Exactly. Know. After looking at it, it's more along the line of stiff person syndrome. You know, stiff person syndrome, which there really hasn't been any quote, you know, cure, so to speak, for this. Um, and they felt it can be progressive as time goes on. And uh, so anyway, he uh, he goes then, you know, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, you removed these screws, and it progressed then to ten hours, ten to twelve hours every day. Twice he was in the pool because his wife liked to he like to do these little aerobic things in the pool where they're standing. Well, seized up under the water twice and uh, so his wife had to save him and uh so but he's, he found that if he kept active he was good as soon as you relaxed then he could seize up and sometimes at night he'd go and eat he know he's going to sit down to eat he would make sure he's even in bed right afterwards and then he would just seize up and he'd be gone for the rest of the night anyway he said you, you remove these screws from my feet he goes overnight i went from being paralyzed 10 to 12 hours a day to three hours a day overnight and uh, so then I go, hmm, okay. And so I, that's when we sent his blood off to Germany to be tested with the Melisa's M-E-L-I-S-A test, which is a lymphocyte transformation test where they basically uh, take the lymphocytes which is the inflammatory cells of the body and challenge it with various concentrations of the metals. And then you'll get what's called a sensitivity reaction uh, to those metals. And then you can tell if they're allergic to the metals or not. And uh, so sent that off, found out he's allergic to nickel as well as highly, highly allergic to palladium. And then he went and researched everything, found out his gold crowns were 26% palladium. Jeez. Long, yeah, long story short, got the screw out of the knee and then he got all of his amalgam fillings out. And the day he got the last palladium filling out, the last gold crown out, he wasn't paralyzed since. Oh my gosh. So everything, yes. Um, Jeff, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, that's interesting. So, I, Scott, I guess most of your experience now is anecdotal, and you're, right. I guess, trying to, at this point, put together a series maybe that would look at this mm -hmm. in greater detail. Um, you know, from a guy who put in a lot of metal. And, and me too. Of, yeah, well, <laughs> had lots of patients who had coexisting uh, hardware, you know, maybe from remote fracture, trauma, trauma surgery, whatever. 
And uh, certainly many of us had have stainless steel clips in our tissues from soft tissue surgery for vascular, uh, you know, from the vascular uh, um, standpoint. So it's, it's almost ubiquitous. I mean, if you think of the number that have just hips and knee implants, which I, I'm assuming is probably the largest number of elective implant um, patients out there. Um, I, you know, I can't, I think, I, I think all of us can think of lots of etiological methods or uh, mechanical or uh, um, theoretical reasons why these things could occur, but it's, it's not something that I can say I saw a great deal of. And I guess you would have to say, well, the incidence of some of these uh, neurodegenerative uh, conditions is either rising uh, or it's staying the same, but it's been there for a long time, probably even antedated the, uh, the, the majority of implant surgery that's been done, which is mostly since the 1960s. Uh, so it's kind of hard, it's hard for me to understand this, I guess, in terms of, uh, you know, what is the likelihood? It doesn't discount the possibility, however, of certain people having this happen. How can you identify these people? Is it something that anybody who has those conditions should look into? And I would say, you know, at this point, I don't know enough about it uh, other than what you've said and, and smatterings of things that I've heard. But yeah, that would make sense to me. I mean, those are serious conditions. I mean, Scott, Bob, you like you're about to say something. Scott, tell us about the battery effect of having two different kinds of metal in a body. Well, that's what we're still researching um, to, to kind of see how this affects you know, in the body. But uh, in general, what we're looking at when we look at a battery, basically we have uh, the positive side or the cathode and then the negative side, which is the anode, and in between an electrolyte. And what we're kind of looking at are some of these positive and negative charges of these, uh, like titanium is more positively charged. Stainless steel is more negatively charged. And uh, so we look, okay. And uh, certainly, and I'm sure Jeff has probably heard at least some of the metal companies now are saying, make sure you don't have a titanium you know, plate and then stainless steel screws in them um, because of the potential galvanic reaction between the two. And uh, so, and, and actually some of the companies actually have that now listed, uh, even though that was practice. And I think a lot of things that, you know, even like uh, Jeff, you guys had mentioned as far as the, you know, uh, metal on metal hips. I mean, that was state of the art at the time and then oop, things change. And so I think we're, you know, we just have to kind of stay up with the times on this. They, they got horrible problems with the metal on metal hips. They, they had a lot of blackening of the tissues surrounding it. They had people with a lot of reactions and, and they, they pretty quickly got rid of that one. I, I remember oh. an orthopedist did that, Jeff. Yeah, so that, that really was about the uh, mid 2000s um, that those started to be implanted with any numbers. And of course the idea was to try to improve the, the uh, frictional relationship between the, the, you know, the, the major joint implants like the knees and the hips, because that was and still continues to be an issue of mechanical wear over time. And uh, although they did seem to do pretty well in that regard, a number of people reacted to them. And we weren't really quite sure who it was that was gonna react, how, how they might react even initially. But then when we started seeing the reactions, you know, we sort of generally classified them as a foreign body reaction, you know, and they're you know, lymphocyte mediated tissue changes. And, but it also was very destructive locally. It wasn't something that created distant problems. Now, what we're talking about today is something that potentially could even be um, a problem in another part of your body if you have this galvanic reaction occurring. So, so there's a mechan you have to distinguish between the mechanical particulate problems and potential uh, chemical problems, which is what this is. Two unlike metals are not gonna be charged the same way. Some of them may be very inert, but they're always gonna be a little different. My, right. my question to you, Scott, is okay, you have two different metals in certain quantities in different parts of the body. And we have an electrolyte media, right? That's what the serum in the blood is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you have different amounts and you have different distances and different metals, that, that makes for a lot of factors that could play into who's going to get a reaction and who isn't. I mean, that's just me thinking 
I guess, off the cuff right now because I haven't, <laughs> haven't given a lot of thought to this lately. Right, right. And, and that's kind of the point where I was coming from, the, that, that one case I just discussed. That was the first case that I even, it even rang in my head that, oh, I had a problem. I put metal in the foot. He got paralyzed. I took the metal out of the foot. Shouldn't the paralysis go away? But it didn't. And mm. then we found out he was, you know, going on with the gold in the mouth. And after we got that out, then the paralysis went away. Okay, how he wasn't paralyzed before I put the metal in the foot. And he had the gold in the mouth then. But so I'm going, what kind of reaction might be going on? Because gold is is one of the most noble metals. It's it's more positively charged. And then the uh, the stainless steel is more negatively charged. I'm going, ah, is there a reaction going on between the two of these? And uh, so, and underneath his gold crowns was all kinds of black corroded tissue, you know, when he got them out. So uh, that was the first thing. And then uh, a patient uh, we were discussing was uh, uh, a gal who actually contacted me regarding her shoulder pain and uh, ended up having these porcelain, porcelain fused metal crown in her mouth and these titanium posts from these two foot uh, root canal procedures. And then she had these screws in the foot, two stainless steel screws. So ultimately they, they didn't want to take them out over there in Pennsylvania. So she decided to fly out and have me do it. And uh, you know, I've known her for a while. So I just had her stay at the house with my wife and I and, and uh, then just did it in my surgery center. And uh, so, but here is what I'm kind of talking about. And it, it's difficult, you know, truly what you need is a uh, zero resistance ammeter, it's called, to really get the, the, the current. But, you know, we don't, we can't do that in the body. So, you know, I'm looking, okay, what about voltage? What can we do there? So just to get an idea that, oh, something is occurring here. And like I say, I'm trying to work with, I'm working with some uh, engineers who, who work on, uh, uh, in the body galvanic corrosion right now to try to figure out everything that's going on. But anyway, so here is uh, the patient. This is what I did in the OR here. So here is her, uh, I had my nurse, you know, test the porcelain fused to metal crown, okay? And remember uh, the action potential of a nerve fires off at, you know, the baseline resting potential is minus 70 millivolts and it fires off at minus 55 millivolts, okay? And that's pretty standard. Uh, so anyway, here is her screw in her foot, this stainless steel. So I. We were trying to figure out how to test this sterile. Well, we just took a cautery probe, cut the ends off, and then hooked it up to the voltmeter, okay? So here we are, stainless steel screw. And then here was her, her reading was, you know, minus 148 millivolts, all right? And then I go ahead and test to the bone where I took the screws out. And uh, then she was afterwards plus 60. Hmm. So, you know, over 200 millivolt change before and after. And then, you know, I've done a number of these and similar type of things where, you know, we're getting these 200 to 300 millivolt changes. And, you know, that's what we're trying to figure out. Okay, what, you know, what is occurring? What does this really mean? And, uh, but in, in her particular case, this, the, she could not move her shoulder above the level of her, her arm, the, well, her arm above the level of her shoulder. And so, that next morning, I went to, okay, I got to bring you to the airport, go down, pick her up. And the incision in the foot was very small, but I go down there and she's, she's, you know, tears streaking down her, her, fa her face. And I go, you know, is the foot hurting? What's going on? And she goes, no, but look. And she raised her arm all the way over her head. And she goes, I haven't been able to do this for two years. And then go, hmm, okay. Um, anyway, again, long story short, a couple of weeks later, she had to work on one of those teeth and then boom, seized up the shoulder again. And uh, so then she went through a year, finally got these teeth, both of them ultimately pulled. And she ultimately then um, had ceramic implants and then, you know, uh, uh, more of zirconia type crowns or ceramic crowns. So basically ceramic, you know, implants. Uh, and to this day, she can raise her shoulders. She has almost full range of motion again. Um, she has zero, before she had seven to eight out of 10 pain. And now it's zero to one out of 10 pain. She goes, I don't even really. So, uh, you know, that's just, that's the story. Uh, again, anecdotal type things. We're trying to, you know, but it, it's, it's happens and that's what I've been seeing with these patients. Another patient, same thing. Uh, I took screws out of her foot. She, she would touch a, a cell phone or anything metal and her hand would blister. 
literally blistered. Found out she was allergic to nickel. Um, I had stainless steel in her foot. I'd put in there 15 years previous, took it out. Her and symptoms were about 40% improved. Um, but she had a fusion in the meantime also too in her neck with the uh, uh, titanium plate and screws. And uh, so she began talking to the, the spine surgeon to get it removed. Finally, after about a year, got it removed and uh, essentially vast majority of her, and she couldn't move her shoulder up either. And the orthopedist at the time said, you, you know, there's no reason why you should have, I mean, your x-rays look great. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to move this shoulder up. And he couldn't move it up either. And he's a friend of mine. I take him fishing. And, uh, but after she got the neck played out, um, she goes, I mean, within a very short period of time, all that range of motion came back, no pain anymore. And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of this is it causes uh, basically spasticity of muscle. Uh, these reactions we're seeing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Scott, it's fascinating. I, are you implying that this reaction that, uh, that you're seeing, is this, is this always a, a delayed type of thing? Is it something that people have to have this, this material implanted in their body for like a number of years? Is that? Well, I, th I think, you know, we know, we know about allergic reactions and it's a type four hypersensitivity, delayed hypersensitivity reaction. So we know that. And if somebody's like sensitized from having braces previously, and then they are allergic to nickel and then get stainless steel put in their body. You know, a lot of things, a lot of questions. I always ask the gals, you know, how do you do with earrings, you know? And, uh, and typically it relates to a nickel type sensitivity. Um, so I think there's that part, but then the, the potential galvanic side, I think throws a, a monkey wrench into to everything. Yeah, I, the reason I brought that up is because as you know, there's so much in orthopedics that we must do and um, and it and it involves implantation of stainless steel or titanium and so forth, just mainly trauma work. But mm -hmm. uh, if it it's a if it's a matter of how long it's there and whether or not it needs to be removed, obviously you and I both know there's things that we put in that we would rather not have to go back after again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that I mean it's. You could make the case for uh, explantation of a lot of materials. That's for sure. It just, let me ground. Really let me ground this uh, thing with a couple of footnotes, and that is, um, first of all, nickel allergy is fifteen percent. Is that what you said, Scott? Fifteen or twenty percent. It depends on the study. Yeah. Fifteen to eighteen percent. You right. know, in the FDA, what they look and at. The 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 big elephant in the room is these mercury and amalgams and. 50% um, of the dentists in the country have renounced their mercury amal amalgams. Mercury is a tremendously toxic substance, and 50% of these, these fillings are made of mercury. And, you know, I don't know whether you guys know, but if you break a mercury thermometer on the floor of the hospital, they clear the floor out, get the hazmat people in there. It's so toxic. Um, and so there are these, quote, biological dentists who are making a lot of uh, 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 people feel better by taking out all of their mercury amalgams. And I found out two weeks ago that I have 17 and they were all put in by one dentist in a two year period when I was a kid, Jeff, in where we lived in Kent. Um, so they, they're the largest mercury exposure to people all over the world. It's a tremendous problem and the dentists are denying it. And it, it's basically freaking terrible. And the, the, I want Scott to comment about um, the, possibility that these things are off-gassing more avidly they're 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 creating vapors when you get more metal installed in your body because of these currents and uh, mercury toxicity is you, you know we all know that surgery is a tremendous placebo and that uh, stories like these um, are possibly placebo but scott has a massive number of stories and it certainly doesn't sound like any kind of placebo to me i mean these are neurological symptoms and all all kinds of things and so go ahead and develop all that, Scott. Thank you. Well, you know, and, and that, again, is a hypothesis that we're working on and, and trying to get the, I, I want physical type evidence, you know, the best we can get. And, uh, and, and it's, it, you know, that's what we're striving for. But a number of these cases, I'll actually let you listen. This is a voice memo of a patient who I put titanium plates and screws in her foot in June. Okay. And uh, she... Uh, she 
ended up having some some issues, definite issues here, but I'm just gonna let you listen. So you can actually hear from one of these patients uh, what was occurring with this. Let's... All right, so you had some reconstructive right foot surgery with titanium plates and screws. And just recently this last week, we got the plates and screws out. And prior to that, what did your body feel like? Um, since June, um, I have been experiencing all over body pain, fatigue, um, joint stiffness, um, and then nerve pain in the foot and going up the leg to the back. And what about your focus or? I've been in kind of a brain fog um, since the surgery. I thought it was the anesthetic for quite a while, but four months later, it really hadn't worn off much. Um, I wake up in the morning and I feel like I haven't rested at all. Um, I get home at night and I just can do nothing because um, just going to work has been enough and it's just been uh, mentally taxing. And since getting the hardware out, what do you have been feeling? Um, the first thing I noticed when I went home was a lot of energy um, and feeling like um, I just was thinking clearly um, other than the local pain from the surgery, um, the overall body pain was gone. My back pain was gone. Um, the nerve pain has is gone. Um, the aches, the joint pain, all gone. All right. Thanks. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, that, that's a pretty common story. With, with what I'm so seeing. So you've been doing this for 15 years and you've seen hundreds of these people that improved yeah, no, after. No, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say hundreds, um, but uh, no, I mean, I've, I've removed, you know, like say over the past 10 years, I removed over a thousand implants and over 400 patients. And uh, some, um, and at least in those patients and uh, you know, some of them were just mechanical reasons and what, and actually my recommendation after a period of time when I was seeing these patients come back after 10, 15, 20 years to get hardware out, I said, you know, and, and in Europe, actually the, the, the diffuse synthes rep in our area said in Europe, I mean, this is temporary fracture fixation. They take this stuff out after the bones healed. You don't need it anymore. But in this country, we don't because like, you know, our, we're all busy. We don't want to have a second surgery or it's difficult to get out, as Jeff had mentioned. And it can. It can be a real pain. And uh, so uh, so we don't, but we just leave it. Um, well, in the foot, especially when we get, have these titanium plates and locking plates and screws and stainless steel, I mean, they're a little bulkier. And so they can rub and irritate and chew. So I was getting vast majority of the hardware out after I'd put it in and they didn't have to get it out. That was certainly their choice. And so then I would, but I would get to see all this and some of these things we didn't even know occurred. Um, and then I'd start asking more questions and I couldn't tell them, oh yeah, that's gonna go away when I take it out. I go, well, we'll see. And uh, sure enough, then some of these, you know, we get a, a number of these, but probably a, as far as quote, in those 400 patients, quote, life-changing uh, symptoms were probably in the, I just actually calculated that as about seven and a half percent life-changing of, you know, something that was really like this gal, you know, uh, really affecting her on a daily basis. And I'm going to have to put the whole series together to really come up with true percentages, you know, but uh, yeah. So the biological dentists are the dentists who remove all the hardware in the mouth with on the theory that it will affect their general health. And they, they're pretty successful. I mean, it's remarkable when you hear those stories. I mean, they, they've, they frequently have people that they've, you know, operated on for a day or an afternoon or whatever it takes to pull out all those darn amalgams and their mercury exposure goes down and they, uh, they feel a lot better. So you've been hanging out with them. Do you have stories about the dentists yes. and the interactions with the orthopedic appliances? Right. Well, and, and that, and actually the reason I brought this particular patient up is that she also had amalgam fillings. Okay. And amalgam, uh, is a sil amalgam is a silver filling with the mercury in it. They call them silver, but they're not really silver. They're mercury. They're grayish. Mercury, clear. Yeah. 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 Right. right. Clarifying. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, so copper, copper and tin and, and mercury are the main ingredients in those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not a dentist, but, you know, I have worked with a number of the dentists, you know, over the years on this. But uh, so and that that a lot of those symptoms that she described are the same symptoms that my dentist colleagues describe from mercury issues. 
So then that brings up the, okay, is it just the titanium or is not the titanium? Is it a reaction with the mercury? And then like you were talking about, is it, you know, releasing more mercury into the system? Uh, I think that's what we're kind of, you know, trying to look at to see, could there be a possibility here? And, uh, mm -hmm. and the, the engineer you were talking about from Washington uh, had a, some sort of meter that he could measure the off-gassing of the mercury? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, he, yeah, and he, they had a biologic type dentist practice uh, that he then became uh, the manager of after his wife almost, you know, they felt that she almost died from mercury toxicity, you know, after her amalgams. And uh, so he quit his practice, uh, or his, his job to be, you know, to basically protect her. And so he, I think one of only 10 or eight or 10, you know, offices in the, in the country that had this device, they actually used it in a mine, you know, you heard of, you know, canary in the gold mine, right? Or the mine, the coal mine, I guess. And uh, so it actually, you know, parts per billion or something, a million or billion um, of the mercury vapors and they, it can uh, detect, detect mercury. Yeah, and he, and he can hold it in front of somebody with a, with a mercury filling and then he can see the vapor. Uh, he can, oh he can detect that, yeah, Wait. each breath. So what Jeff, Jeff, just to bring us back down to earth in your practice career, you only saw a few of these cases where they had a lot of problems with the metal implant and they felt better when they got them out. That's true. And it was mostly a local reaction. At least that's what we thought. Uh, you know, we would get sort of low grade symptoms, mostly pain, uh, what you might expect from uh, low grade inflammation. You wouldn't see a lot of of swelling or redness or things like that, but it was pain and it was uh, not something that was easily seen on an X-ray, which is what we relied on to evaluate our implants from a mechanical standpoint. Uh, it wasn't hard to, uh, for the most part, prove that it was not infectious. I mean, we, uh, so that was, that was something we could rule out, but the actual, um, you know, establishment of the diagnosis of a foreign body reaction, we often couldn't do other than doing tissue biopsies or uh, doing the surgery and going in there and exploring it, which was what was done early on. As we got further along, we could see that there was long-term x-ray changes of local tissue reactions, but that was in uh, the worst cases. So there were sometimes patients who went several years with low-grade symptoms that we just couldn't really couldn't justify doing repeat surgery, couldn't diagnose it. So we literally had people live with it. Now that doesn't mean that I, that I know what the, uh, the problem was. It, was it something like this? It's certainly possible. But um, there were a number of people who had such severe reactions. And I would say probably at a half a dozen to a dozen in my group, we had three implant surgeons who were busy that I think all of us would agree weren't truly, um, um, allergic type reactions. And they improved when we went to a, a more inert material when we did the revision surgery. Scott has been lecturing around the world with this. I wanna hear what it's like and what he's, what he's said to these audiences and whether he's received with hostility or received with uh, generosity by the, 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 uh, the uh, corporate people who are managing these and selling these darn implants. Well, I try to avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard no no um it's it's interesting uh they you know obviously there's vested interest right and and i'm not about that i don't want to ever be sponsored by anybody as i mean i'm i'm doing this for the patients and you know because i've experienced it in my own family and what have you and so uh uh you know have seen it firsthand and then with my patients also, and, it, and it's all about that. So um, I think it's new. It's what I'm presenting is, is really new and, and everybody has to kind of think about it and okay, is that possible? And of course there's gonna, you know, people have been trained a certain way, you know, now, now, now forget it, forget it, you know, that type of thing, but I keep bringing things out. So uh, overall it's positive. Uh, I guess probably the groups that bring me in to talk like the ceramic, you know, dentists, implantologists, you know, biologic type dentists and what have you, uh, those groups. Um, others are, you know, systemic effects of metal allergies. I mean, that was the whole in London when I went out there, uh, that's what the whole, the whole seminar was. So everybody, you know, was presenting from kind of around the world on, on that. 
And uh, so then everybody's listening. And again, it, it's, it's newer, so to speak, even though it may have been around. And, and a lot of things, I mean, why would I, as a foot and ankle surgeon, ask somebody if they have, you know, dental, you know, metals? Or why am I, you know, why am I asking if they have headaches or what are your other symptoms? You know, stiff neck, it was a common one. And I took the implants out, stiff neck goes away. Uh, you know, headaches, um, you know, rashes on other parts of their body that the rheumatologist knew I was working with these patients. And one of the, I didn't even know this patient had a rash on her trunk. And, uh, and we were planning on getting the metal out anyway. And he, uh, he says, oh, you're working with Dr. Schroeder? Okay, well, let's just see what happens after he gets that plate and screws out. And then and let, literally five days later, it was gone. Uh, and he had, she had it for months that she was seeing him for. Uh, but then, and that's, you know, kind of more standard for some of these, these uh, allergic reactions. But I do have a case that kind of ties us all together. The amount, she, this patient had amalgam and she had uh, two, some titanium hips. And uh, so she came to me, I don't remember why, but she had, a, she had a screw in her foot and she just wanted it out, you know. And so I'm going to let you listen to her. And then I, I'd be interested in Jeff's comments uh, regarding this. And this is one of the earlier ones too. So, and, and prior to seeing me, she had already got her amalgam fillings out and she had a nickel allergy. We knew that. So. All right. So you had uh, hip replacements. One, how, when was the first one? Uh, the first one was 2000. They were both in 2014. They're just, they're just two years old and they were four months apart. Okay. And then after the first one, did you have many problems with the hip? The first one I did not. Um, as soon as I had the second hip put in, um, I had major changes. First personality, um, food issues, rashes, and then the chronic hip pain started in. Okay. And then what are these hips made out of? Um, these hips are titanium hips with a ceramic ball. Okay. And then you had had actually surgery on your foot uh, in a single stainless steel screw approximately how many years ago that was in 2001 okay and so then just looking at your issues uh you, we decided to okay get the screw out of the foot and that was a couple weeks ago 10 days ago yeah 10 days ago okay and uh so what have you noticed uh, what are some of your some of your symptom changes you have noticed since then Oh my gosh. Um, and it's not just me noticing it. It is family members, coworkers, et cetera. Um, I can actually turn my neck now without having chronic neck pain. I have not had a headache in two weeks. Uh, my personality is a total 180. I smile. I'm happy. I get accused of drinking way too much coffee because I'm excited about life. Um, I'm not depressed. I don't cry. I have energy and I, I'm a changed woman. 100% changed. All right, neat. Uh, what about then your hip pain? What do you notice there? What what kind of pain did you have uh, since the hips, when they started hurting, what was the pain like? What scale on the scale of one to 10? Okay, first off, I'll say about a few months after the second hip was put in, I went on um, pain pills. And my pain level was always between a four and a seven. And I'm talking every day, seven days a week. And I have not taken a pain pill since after surgery, just due to uh, my foot, you're hurting a little bit and haven't taken one since. And I had zero hip pain at this point, zero. Um, I, I can't explain it totally. <laughs> no, I don't know. But that that's some of the things that uh, I've seen. That's what the my uh, colleague, the immunotoxicologist from uh, Europe, Dr. Vera Stetskal, was talking about what they, they were seeing with some of the dental metals they removed and then some of this chronic pain in the hip or knee would, you know, significantly improve or go away. And that's, she was the first one to lead me to that. And, you know, then I, sure enough, I start asking these questions and I'm seeing some of that too. But I don't know. Jeff, what do you think? Well, that's very interesting. I, um, I, I was just going to say maybe we need to perhaps clarify there's a difference between implant uh, allergies, actual true allergies, like you said, type four allergies, uh, where you have a, a, a reaction, hypersensitivity reaction to the metal. And you also have what I believe uh, was fairly common, a particulate reaction that comes from metal breakdown. Uh, and we, now we're talking about a mercury amalgam reaction 
that breaks down and releases mercury, a neurotoxin that is creating these problems. At least I, I, I'm, this is what I'm gathering from our discussion today. And so you're focusing on metal interactions within the body with coexisting mercury amalgam. And I, I, interestingly enough, I was just thinking about when I heard this, you know, when I was back in my teens, I think I was told, I remember that mercury amalgam fillings last about 25 years and then they mechanically break down. And I've had at least one removed because of that, that was the, uh, uh, the reason that I was given. And, you know, it was sort of black and cracking and, you know, kind of, you could see it. It, it, it didn't look healthy. And the dentist said, well, okay, now this is creating local reaction in the tissue and you're getting, you know, getting a little bit of uh, um, decay around it. So, you know, that may be happening spontaneously. I'm, I'm thinking of all the factors that could be related to why some of these people are getting it and others maybe not getting it, as I was alluding to earlier. But um, what uh, do you think that's, is that, is that something that you, you were aware of, that, that these things normally are meant to last about 20 to 25 years? They, they're definitely, uh, I just read a, two dental books, <laughs> and they definitely break down. <laughs> It doesn't. Yeah, well, and I, I was it. thinking, I was thinking about my 17 amalgams. I was reading that. I said, Oh no, <laughs> they're all breaking down. Well, but the, so, the interesting thing is they're, they're subjected to tremendous mechanical stresses, 25 years of yeah. that kind of mechanical stress. I would have think they would have broken down long before that. Is so it because of galvanic. Jeff is a, he was a much better medical student than I was. I think you were one point away from being an AOA and your wife, of course, was an AOA, right? And so I want you to see, are we going to test Scott? We're going to test Jeff to see if he remembers the, uh, the, uh, the thing about, uh, the, the memory device to know what the symptoms of mercury toxicity are. And it ends with mad as a hatter. And I think it's hot as a hair or as another one, Jeff, do you remember the rest of it? Where it's, you're on the, you're, you're on the clock now. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, when I was a kid, we would break a thermometer and play with the mercury. In our yeah, hands. I know we would do. <laughs> we had great times as kids. We made our carts and went in and out, in and out of the driveway. Anyway, well, so, do you remember the acronym or the, uh, the, the thing, Scott? All I know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Yeah. Mercury oh, is, is tremendously toxic. It's a yeah. great imitator as far as the symptoms go. A lot of the symptoms are neurological and they, they, they just feel uh, fatigued and crappy all the time. So, um, yeah. you know, but you said that you had people with tremors uh, get better after you've, you've seen them after they had their mercury amalgams removed or your hardware removed. Right. Um, and uh so when actually when I lectured in London, uh, a oral surgeon presented after me and uh, he was he was in Spain. And so he presented and uh, he and I was presenting kind of on some of the galvanic concepts at that point in time. And he said, I presented in the morning. He presented just after he said he went back at because I talked to him after he, he went back at lunch and added some of his galvanic stuff into his talk. Because, you know, sometimes it's considered a little bit of voodoo or what have you. Um, but he then was presenting. He would take all these metals out. And then a lot of times you'll have erosion of bone. And he'd reconstruct the jaw. You know, heal the bone. And he'd use titanium plates and screws to do that. But then he would take those out, right? And then he would implant and whatever with ceramics and whatnot. But what he kept bringing up time and time again is Parkinson's symptoms disappearing. Wow. And, uh, and I go, and I go, Oh, so you, you can treat Parkinson's and he goes, no, no, no. It's Parkinson's like symptoms, you know, because it's, it's hard to diagnose. Right. And you'd look at mercury. It, what is it? It's a neurotoxin. And so what's going to affect, you know, and that's what I think we'll start seeing some of these tremors and that type of thing. Uh, and I've seen that with, and I can, I can only say so much, but you know, um, you know, to, to people, but uh, I see, okay, they have their mercury fillings and then they have something else placed in the body. And then afterwards they start having tremors. And, uh, so, um, but yes, I've seen things that have been improved. Um, I always hate to say, you know, everything's going to go away type of thing, but, and you don't know until you know, or, you know, you get 
something removed to see if that can occur or not. I've had a, I've had an attention tremor dramatically worsen since I got my shoulders. I had a very, very low grade thing for years. And uh, who knows, maybe that's what this is. But I'm certainly I think I'm off to see the biological dentist. <laughs> and you do you want to and they'll they'll use what's called smart technique. And it's an acronym, but uh, for trying to safely remove the mercury. And, and I've actually had some patients. I had a patient that was hospitalized. Mer and, Mercola, uh, Mercola got kidney damage because he went to a dentist who was not a biological dentist. And he had mercury exposure when he, he had about two dozen amalgams. And he had it removed as an adult. And he, he was very sick. Well, and I think they'll, a lot of times they won't do them all at once. A lot of the bio, they'll do different quadrants and what have you, or just part, you know, because of that potential load. Um, and because, and I think even, you know, you do it safely, but, you know, I mean, it's probably only so much safety. I mean, you do as best you can, right? And like when we're removing uh, plates and screws, we're using a stainless steel instrument, you know, with a Torx head or something on, and we're removing it, but we're having metal on metal. And uh, so then, you know, I'm flushing and all this and, you know, trying to get everything out that I may have torqued. And sometimes there's bone overlying some of these. So you have to burr and, and uh, you know, miss the plate and whatnot. And then, you know, make sure you flush all the stuff out. So there's always probably going to be a little bit of a load, but you try to do the best you can to have as minimal load as possible. Of, of course, you know, in the mouth, they, they have all these chronic infections. And that's another horror show about dentistry is the the root canals are many, many, many times chronically infected, and, and those produce all kinds of biological effects and nasty things. And the, 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 I mean, these biological dentists just think that they're heresy to put in a root canal because there's no way they can sterilize it or keep it sterile. Unlike, I mean, you guys never saw infections. How many infections do you see in your whole career, Jeff? Oh, we've seen infections, Bob. Uh, there, there are <laughs> cases where we probably haven't been able to diagnose the infection, but we suspected it. You know, that's interesting. You said you talk about the uh, infections in the root canals and, and, you know, they talk about the gut flora possibly being altered by things that are occurring elsewhere, distant foci of infection, like a root canal. And root canals can be infected, as I understand it, I'm no authority on it, uh, with very little symptoms, with, you know, people really not even being aware of it. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of complex interactions, and I think we're probably just sort of scratching at the surface on a lot of this stuff. But it is very interesting, and I, particularly from someone who put a lot of metal in, I guess. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> is there really a pecking order between the the knee and the hip and the uh, the foot uh, orthos or not? You're well, kidding about that, weren't you, Scott? We're just a little higher altitude. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's you know, I I. I, I don't have a, much of an ego at all, so I don't worry about it. And there's always going to be something out there and whatever. I mean, everybody's always trying to do just the best they can. And uh, I mean, I have a I have a lot of all different types of friends, general surgeon friends, orthopedic friends. And, you know, like I say, take them out fishing and do stuff and have a good time. So uh, but oh, one one point, uh, actually, the book Mercury Free that's out there. It, it, they were describing as far as when these amalgams start breaking down is actually 10 years. They'll start, yeah, 10 years, right. So, uh, so that, and that's been a, a good book as far as, you know, having the whole kit and caboodle there uh, for looking at this, uh, the mercury problem and toxicity. And, and to Jeff's point, I, I look, and I kind of look at five, five different ways to have problems with uh, metals in your body. One, mechanical, okay, right? Irritation, impingement, what have you. Two, infection. Three, uh, toxicity or the metal ions and the metalosis that you're discussing. Uh, four, then is the type four delayed hypersensitivity reactions. And then five, which I think we know, you know, we're trying to learn more about is the galvanic reactions. Uh, five, do you have any others that you might put in there, Jeff? Oh, I think you pretty well covered everything that I would have thought of. We don't implant lead, but there are certainly, I guess, metals that are toxic that you could have implanted, say, like, uh, you know, somebody gets in an altercation, but, you know, mm -hmm. you have to include things like that that could be related. You know, we don't generally as a trauma, you know, with my trauma background, which was my internship, basically, we saw lots of people with shotgun injuries. You don't go after every you know, bit of buckshot, but so there are people running around there with actual 
metal that is toxic in the long term. Yeah. The two, the two books I read were um, Toxic Teeth, How a Biological Holistic Dentist Can Help You Cure Cancer, Facial Pain, Autoimmune, Heart, and Other Disease Caused by Infected Gums, Root Canals, and Jawbone cav Cavitations, and Toxic Metals. So that was that was horrifying, frankly. I just, I'm never going to trust the, anything that happens in dental office again. And the other one was called Chew on This But Don't Swallow. And that was by a dentist with decades of occupational mercury exposure. And she had her blood work checked at a seminar and was diagnosed with a lymphoma. And after, immediately after removing her root canals and amalgams, she was cured and her blood work normalized. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys think we missed anything important? Anything we should cover? Well, Just I, I, I applaud your research. I think that's a, uh, it's, it's an amazing uh, thing to think about. And it just opens a whole new uh, vista of uh, investigation, I think. Honestly, there's your anecdotal experience is uh, was amazing. Well, so much of what we seem to be uh, uncovering is anecdotal now, and I think a lot of things do start that way. But uh, boy, with uh, the COVID experience and what we thought was conventional wisdom and so forth in medicine, you know, we're we're sort of forced to look more closely at anecdotal experience because of the trustworthiness of the sources that we traditionally gone to sometimes. there are no studies anymore jeff as we discussed before we went on there are no good studies because they're all funded by industry and they're all basically adulterated they're ruined by the by the funding and the bribery thank god for your curiosity <laughs> <laughs> well that's what like i say i want nothing to do with anybody that says oh i want to you know to defend they said oh you should develop some ceramic implants and, and i go no you know, I no, I, I'm compromised then. And that's not what this is about. This is about the patients and the, the stories that I get. And, you know, and but we want to do it on a bigger scale now, though. You know, I mean, I've been helping people when they come to me from around the world. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're trying to at least get something that's more concrete with some of this, uh, some of the research we're trying to do in the lab and that type of thing. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Well, guys, I'm very grateful for your time, and I think we had a great session. I'm, I'm sure I can never tell what, what the listeners are going to like, but I'm sure they're going to love this one. So thanks again. Hey, Bob, quick disclaimer, my background there, this is my wife's computer. She worked for, well, she, I should have asked that at the It's not, Jeff actually it. is attempting to change his gender subtly here by calling himself Ann. <laughs> well, no, I, was, I was with Washington for the last five years He's, of my practice, but I'm not currently, so... All right. I'm going to send you an image of a man chest feeding and I, it's a statue in Sweden and I'm sure you'll appreciate the, uh, the importance of us understanding that. <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. Okay. All right. You bet. You bet.